Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. It dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. We are here to show support for Moldova, for Ukraine and the wider European community. We have common challenges, security, energy and uh, connectivity, which we can only address through common action. That's European Parliament President Roberta Metzola speaking on her way into the European Political Community Summit in Moldova. The risks posed by Russia's illegal invasion of Ukraine is one that can only be met with a test of our resilience and I'm sure that we will meet this moment. I'm very happy to see so many leaders uh, of Western Balkan countries here because we will plead for faster, more urgent and more deep European integration for these countries. Over 40 heads of state are gathered for the second meeting of the Pan-European Forum. It's a big moment for Moldova. Last June, the country reached a milestone in its efforts to join the EU when it was granted status as an official candidate country, along with Ukraine. Here's European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen. Um, I warmly congratulate President Zelensky, President Sandu, President Zurabishvili, all three countries are part of our European family. We've never let any doubt about that. And today's historic decision by leaders confirms that. It grants all three the perspective of EU accession and it lays down the path ahead. Now, nearly a year later, the country is hosting the biggest political event in its history and the stakes could not be higher. I'm Suzanne Lynch, Political's Chief Brussels Correspondent, coming to you this week from Moldova, where the second meeting of the European political community is taking place. We're going to discuss what this gathering of European leaders hopes to achieve and what it means for Moldova, an ex-Soviet state sandwiched between Ukraine and the EU. It's a country at a crossroads as it tries to chart a path towards EU membership all the time under Russia's shadow. So to discuss further, I'm joined by my colleague Clea Calcutt, our France correspondent who's covering the summit with me here in Moldova. 
Hello, Suzanne. So, uh, listeners, uh, we have to apologise for the background noise. We're coming to you from the press centre, just at the Castle Mimi, uh, where this summit is taking place. Clea and I arrived this morning in a very different way than we usually arrive to these events, Clea. Yes, I arrived on board a French military plane yesterday evening uh, because of difficulties uh, coming in to Moldova. Um, the airspace is closed for the duration of the um, of the summit uh, due to ongoing interference uh, from Russia. And in light of these threats, the Moldovans have taken large steps to secure the summit. So, uh, you know, local residents need special passes to uh, circulate around the venue. It's also a much shorter summit uh, with a lot of leaders leaving overnight. Yeah, I mean, it's an, it's an amazing place. We're at, actually at a winery. It's called Castle Mimi. It's about 35 kilometres south of the capital, Kisniau. That decision to hold there here is, is in part a security concern, really easier to secure. Exactly. And the route from the airport is easier to secure than a route within Kisinau, which would have involved securing buildings, roundabouts amid high traffic. Um, So that's why it was decided to be put outside. And so this morning we arrived on two specially chartered trains from the capital to here because uh, there's no other way to get to the summit. Yes, we were all there very early this morning, uh, Thursday morning journalists queuing up from 5 a.m. at Kisinau Railway station to get these uh, kind of secret chartered trains uh, to the summit here at Castle Mimi. But look, this is a big moment for Moldova. The country, it, it declared independence from the Soviet Union in 1991. Now, I caught up with Foreign Minister Aniku Popeshko yesterday in Kisniau. And I must say, listeners, I was literally walking along, running along the street uh, with the Foreign Minister. He's a busy man at the moment. He was going between meetings, between press conferences in the capital. And this is what he had to say about what this means for his country. It's important for the European continent, for the countries of the European continent, to be talking together, to be coordinating. Between the 27 EU member states and the 20 states that are not yet or already not in the EU, to be coordinating, to be having a profound strategic conversation on how to bring peace back to the European continent, to show determination in our desire as the EPC to bring peace back to our continent, to dissuade future aggressions. Uh, So this summit has a major, major pan-European importance of pan-European scale. For Moldova, at the same time, it's extremely important. It's a sign of support for Moldova. It's a sign and a strong signal that Moldova is not alone, that Moldova matters. And that also gives us confidence that Moldova will also in the future rely on the support of our partners to keep our democracy intact and and strengthening to keep our stability and to continue our path to the European Union. He also described how Moldova has been preparing for the summit and and facing dealing with those security challenges uh, Clea explained there. Well, we have been working as the Moldovan government and the law enforcement agencies and the security apparatus to ensure full-spectrum security. We have also been working with our partners it's public knowledge that uh, for most of this week we also have a strong uh, security presence from other countries working with us to ensure, as I said, full spectrum security. Now, uh, the reason uh, Kishino is cordoned off, it's actually pretty easy access for people who walk, 
we just uh, declared a couple of days as public holidays so that people don't feel the disruption. So actually most people prefer to go to the countryside. So if you see the streets empty, it's not because they are not allowed to, because actually cars can go and ah, cro- yes. go through the street. But naturally, it's easier to manage security like that, but also people prefer it. But otherwise, everyone can move through the city, but of course they have to accept that at some point some junctions yeah. would be closed. And of course, Clea, I mean, I think we both reflected on the fact that it was quite moving here this morning when President Zelensky arrived. He was the first leader to arrive at this summit. Morning, everybody. Thank you very much, Madam President, that you invited us. And I'm happy to be here. Yes, we saw the Moldovan president, uh, Maya Sandu, uh, waiting at the entrance of the castle for uh, like uh, several minutes. It went on in the blazing sun and we were sort of wondering what, what what's happening. She said she was obviously waiting for the leaders to arrive, but it was quite a surprise to see Zelensky. There had been rumours he was coming, but it was not confirmed until the very last moment until he arrived. And it was a very moving moment. You saw Maya Sandu thanking Zelensky for protecting um, Moldova. Obviously, the Moldovans say that there were plans to overthrow Moldova, uh, to overthrow her government in the wake of the attack on Ukraine. And Zelensky thanked her for welcoming all the refugees from Ukraine. Thank you for for Moldovan people, first of all, that you really, um, you hosted uh, all our people, all the refugees from from the first first days of full-scale war. Thank you. We never forget about it. Uh, like and you could sort of see Volodymyr Zelensky sort of squinting in the sun. It's sort of, a, you know, everybody else is smiling, but quite a grave, moved face because it's obvious that holding such an enormous summit with so many leaders mm-hmm. so close to the front line is something quite extraordinary here. Yeah, absolutely. And I was struck by the sense these two leaders, youngish leaders, uh, standing side by side at this huge moment, particularly for Moldova, being so close to the Ukrainian border, living in that shadow of Russia. It was quite a moment. Shortly after that, we saw the the usual attendees at summits like this, the the 27 EU leaders, plus leaders from across Europe, everyone from Rishi Sunak to Western Balkan leaders. Uh, But we do have to note, uh, there was one no-show. We reported on this exclusively this week in Politico that uh, the Turkish president, Erdogan, uh, fresh from his election victory last week, was not present. So that is perhaps a bit of a dent to uh, the kind of mission, if you like, of the European political community, which aims to be a kind of a pan-European geopolitical force. On that issue, let's just talk a bit, Claire, about what the EPC is, it's called. Um, What is this? It's the second meeting. We were both at the first gathering of this kind in Prague last October. Give us a bit of background about how the idea of the European political community came about. Yes, absolutely. So the European political community came about from an idea that was thrown by Emmanuel Macron last year during a speech in Strasbourg. Une communauté politique européenne. Cette organisation européenne nouvelle permettrait aux nations européennes. And at the time, it was sort of dismissed as a little bit of an inspired 
stab in the dark from the from the president. I mean, there was no sort of explanation on what this community would be, what it would do, how it would work. And, you know, the French had to battle accusations that basically it was offering in the wake of the Ukraine war and with both Ukraine and Moldova asking for accession to the EU that he was offering a halfway house. So they've battled hard against that. Those accusations are still swirling around today. But basically it turned out to become quite a successful forum for leaders from the region to discuss. Now, what the future of this community will be, who knows? But it, it does appear to answer a need for wider discussions across the continent from leaders facing the disruption of the Russian aggression on Ukraine. But it does, you know, from the outside, sitting where we are, it does appear to be a bit of a big talking shop. It, it certainly does. I mean, there was a very interesting paper that was published last week uh, by a, a relatively new think tank, the Brussels Institute for Geopolitics. And they were making the point that actually, you know, not having deliverables, not having milestones, not having specifics is perhaps a good thing. That sometimes, you know, political dialogue is more important. And isn't it good to have these people around the table, these countries that share a continent essentially and this is a harking back to an earlier idea of diplomacy a more 19th century idea of diplomacy and of course I mean the EU officials who have been involved in preparing the summit have been eager to stress at every point to us journalists coming here that this is not about EU enlargement that is a different conversation they say you know Moldova Ukraine the Western Balkan countries who all want to join the EU and are are ostensibly on the path to that accession at some point you know there's going to be no decisions on that today uh, at this summit however the EU has been increasing its support to Moldova over the last year or so just yesterday in central Kisniau uh, Moldovan and EU officials all gathered to mark the opening of a new EU partnership mission in the capital and that's designed to help Moldova deal with issues like cybersecurity and other hybrid threats I am very happy to be here today in Kisniau to celebrate the official inauguration of the European Union partnership mission in Moldova. One of the issues here is, of course, the accession countries wish to join the EU, and the whole question of EU enlargement is a really fraught one. But uh, it was interesting, France, which is usually seen as a kind of a holdout and opponent to enlargement, uh, Macron, President Macron, gave a very interesting speech on his way here uh, on Wednesday. You were there in Bratislava, Clay, and he seemed to be uh, reaching out a bit to the east, if you like. Yes, absolutely. It was quite striking because relations between Emmanuel Macron and the East haven't been easy. There's uh, been a lot of criticism from the East about his, you know, wish to continue dialogue. It's suspended now, but at least at the beginning of the war with Vladimir Putin. And so there hasn't been easy relations. And yesterday he you know, made a lot of overtures to the East. He said, you know, we haven't listened to you enough. Uh, We haven't acknowledged the suffering that you had under Soviet rule. And interestingly, he made some points on uh, EU accession, saying that we need to enlarge very clearly and that it's more an issue of, you know, reuniting the EU family Mm. and that it's more a political issue and about peace and stability on the continent than about criteria that has to be respected. One of the other comments he made in that speech, which is a huge theme emerging as a theme here at this summit, is the whole idea of security guarantees for Ukraine. 
the arrival of uh, President Zelensky here, uh, as we explained, is a big moment. He is here at this summit and he is very clear about what he wants from the NATO summit that's taking place in Vilnius next month. And that is A, NATO membership for Ukraine. That doesn't seem to be on the cards in any way at the moment, but also security guarantees. What did Macron say on that subject? So Macron said that we must give Ukraine strong and credible security guarantees, which is really strong language. And he sketched out what he thought could be possible. So it's somewhere between Israeli-style security guarantees. So this is a packet of money given by the US to Israel to ensure its security and full membership. So somewhere in the middle. Now, this, uh, what seems to be shaping up is that this would not be Article 5. It would not be the sort of security guarantee given by NATO. And it's more something that would come from a coalition of countries that would give some sort of commitment, uh, maybe financial, possibly weapons. It's not quite clear, but that it would be more that that would be sort of announced in some way ahead of Vilnius. And we see some countries are wary of that, uh, not least Germany. So it'll be interesting to see how that debate plays out in the coming weeks. Uh, finally, it's always at these kinds of set-piece events, the main news often happens on the sidelines. As we've just been talking about, we've got the whole issue of security guarantees for Ukraine, for example. And there are other bilateral issues on the agenda. One of those is the current situation in North Kosovo. Both President Osmani of Kosovo and Serbia's Alexandra Vucic are here. Now, the background here is that clashes broke out in North Kosovo last weekend over the installation of ethnic Albanian mayors in areas where Serbs are in the majority. Tensions are flaring in northern Kosovo, where ethnic Albanian mayors have been trying to take office following April elections boycotted by the local majority Serb population. On Monday, Serb demonstrations left at least 30 NATO peacekeepers and 52 Serbs injured. Now, the United States and the EU have issued strong rebukes. Our colleagues Lily Beyer and Matt Kornichnik spoke to Kosovo's Prime Minister, Albin Kurti, earlier this week at a conference in Bratislava. Now, we have a slight difference in approach, and I think that thinking of sanctions against Kosovo seems out of proportion and unfair. Were you surprised by the reaction, though? I was surprised by overreaction. And have you talked to Blinken about that specifically? We haven't talked uh, together about this. Uh, But... um, Kosovo is a sovereign, independent country who wants to be contributor to security and peace and uh, best ally of the United States. But this has not to do with the United States. Thanks to Lillian Matt for that. We'll be back just after this short break with more on Moldova's efforts to join the EU. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Julian Groza is the executive director of the Institute for European Policies and Reforms, a Moldovan think tank with the aim to help the country one day join the EU. Speaking to him in his office in central Kisnau this week, I asked him how significant is the European Political Community Summit for the country? Well, first of all, it's for the first time in the history of Moldova that we host such an important event. And in particular, in uh, these times uh, during the Russia's aggression against Ukraine, the decision to invite Moldova to host uh, such an important event is, of course, a sign of you know support and solidarity, uh, not only for Moldova, uh, which is the most affected country after Ukraine uh, due to Russia's aggression, but also I think it's important signal of support also for Ukraine. And I think uh, the importance of this summit uh, for Moldova is that uh, it provides a good opportunity for a small, tiny country like Moldova, affected by various crises and uh, also uh, being, you know, uh, attacked by various hybrid hybrid instruments by Russia. It provides us an opportunity to play an active role, a proactive role in the region and to, you know, to contribute to uh, an agenda uh, here in Europe. But as much as the country would like to play a proactive role in the region and become a member of the European Union, it's still facing some big challenges. I asked Groza to explain more. Unfortunately, for over 30 years since our independence, in spite declarations of various governments and politicians to strengthen democratic institutions, to reform the judiciary, to provide tools to fight corruption. For years, in fact, that was has been overlooked. And not only overlooked, but previous governments, kleptocratic governments, proxies of Russia, have not done uh, or has done little to reform the country. Well, in the last years... Over the last two years, under President Maya Sandu, Groza explained that the most important reforms have been in the area of the judiciary, including intense vettings of judges and prosecutors. New anti-corruption institutions have been empowered to fight high-level corruption, he says. And Moldova has increased its cooperation with the EU and other partners when it comes to rooting out corrupt officials and elites. Uh, and the second vulnerability is linked to our uh, security resilience. Moldova, unfortunately, has been subject of uh, Russia's hybrid aggression, uh, using uh, the information space, promoting uh, you know the disinformation and propaganda, using political actors here as tools to propagate their narratives, to make the institutions and the countries more vulnerable. Russia was also using uh, our economic and energy vulnerabilities. Just uh, over the last uh, year and a half, Russia was trying to weaponize energy dependency on Gazprom. As Groza explains, even if Moldova isn't under military attack, his country is experiencing hybrid aggressions. And until Moldova can address these vulnerabilities, it's hard to see how the country moves from being a candidate to joining the EU. But despite the immense reforms underway to prepare Moldova for EU membership, I asked Groza about the actual scale of support in this country for the EU. So I think uh, now 
as Moldova is a candidate country to become a member of the European Union, we definitely have at least two priorities. First is to make sure that we deliver on the reforms and we advance in uh, you know, approximation with the EU legislation, with the EU standards. We have a list of conditions to start accession negotiations. Hopefully it's still this year once uh, these are implemented. Capacity uh, building, capacity of the administration to deal with reforms and to properly implement them, that is something which is very much relevant to this uh, process as well. And the second priority is very much to build up institutions, to build up resilient institutions with the help of our allies and partners to uh, make sure that uh, we are uh, much better prepared to face you know, cyber attacks, to secure our information space, to increase the resilience in our law enforcement and security institutions, to be able to effectively address all potential attempts of malign interference from Russia, or destabilizing actors, actions from the kleptocrats, because these two together, the reform agenda with uh, the work on the accession process with the EU and strengthening our security resilience and defense capabilities, in particular in the context of Russia's aggression in Ukraine, is crucial. In the lead-up to the meeting this week, European Parliament President Roberta Metzler recently spoke to a crowd of an estimated 70,000 people who gathered in the capital to show their support for joining. I am so proud to be with you today before this massive, massive crowd of people who believe in a European future for Moldova. And yet, the scale of Russian influence in the country is not to be underestimated, as Groza has explained. And there are some who would prefer closer ties to Moscow than Brussels. I think today we have increase the base of support for European integration in Moldova, for European accession. It was not always that the case. Unfortunately, for years, politicians, because of their geopolitical narratives and because they have not delivered on their promises, uh, they divided the society in kind of pro-Europeans and pro-Russian. In the last year, uh, in particular, things has changed because the European integration objective became more realistic. When we became candidate country to become a member of the EU, uh, more people realized that that is not a kind of fairy tale, that it's something which would happen, because it was not the case before last year. Second, I think what counts today is uh, the fact that we have a governing majority which is pro-reform and committed to conduct systemic reforms. And that uh, brought more support from our partners in the EU, and not only. Indeed, a few weeks ago, we had a large rally here in uh, in Chisinau. Uh, we had about 70,000 people on the streets uh, who adopted a kind of a resolution for Moldova to advance towards the European Union. And that is pretty much reflected largely in the polls. When you look at the polls, you would have about uh, 55 to 60 percent of the citizens who would support Moldova's uh, accession to the European Union which is uh, a slight change if to compare with uh, two years ago when it was something like 50%. At the same time, it is true that we still have a basis of of members of our society, of communities, which are anchored in the past, which are anchored in the Soviet kind of past and in the Russian information space uh, in the the Russian world. This is about 25 to 30% of the population, largely the Russian-speaking communities, I think what it is important today is that 
while uh, you know the government is delivering to the needs of the people, while the government is managing uh, the multiple crises uh, in which we are, this would also help to limit the space of the populists, which are very much using the vulnerabilities to try to channel uh, the negative energy against basically a pro-reform agenda and spreading a lot of disinformation very much close to the narratives of Russia. And that was Julian Groza, Executive Director of the Institute for European Policies and Reforms. So that's it for this week's episode of EU Confidential, coming to you from Moldova, where the second summit of the European political community is taking place. Thank you to our executive producer for audio, Christina Gonzalez. Next week, Christina and our colleague Josh Pozaner are taking EU Confidential along for a ride on Europe's newest sleeper train. That's going from Berlin to Brussels. So tune in for that. Thanks again for listening. See you next week.